to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Yoshi slides it in! is the Preds' official podcast with Brooks Bratton on Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. The official podcast of the Nashville Predators Hockey Club. We call it the Preds' official podcast. It's ESPN 102.5 The Game. It's episode 168 of the program. Brooks Bratton of NashvillePredators.com back here with you for another week. Another exciting week, I might add, of Nashville Predators hockey. And my esteemed co-host, Kara Hammer, she's got the week off. So you're in for a treat, making his second career appearance on the POP. Producer Max, he's not just pressing buttons and moving levers. He'll also be talking once more this week. So Max, great to have you alongside. And uh, great to get a good couple of wins for your Nashville Predators. Yeah, really good week for the Preds. A couple of fun wins, one home game, one road game, and happy to be co-hosting with you again today. Always a pleasure. A couple of Pittsburghers before the Preds play the Penguins, and we all know who we're rooting for because we're loyal to the city that we live in and the team that one of us works for. And the Preds will go up to Pittsburgh on Sunday, but before they do, a big one against Florida on Saturday, but they're feeling pretty good about themselves after the last two. Nashville in the thick of the final month of the regular season. The playoff push continues. Thursday at Ottawa, 3-2 win. Roman Yossi, what else is new? Setting more franchise records. And then Tuesday, a 6-2 victory over Minnesota. That was a fun one. The Predators rising to that challenge. And speaking of Ottawa, quite a homecoming for Predators defenseman Mark Borowiecki. And he's going to join us a little bit later in the show. Always great to talk to Boro and a fun interview coming up. Surely hope you'll enjoy that one. Also, some great Twitter questions to get to as well. But, Max, the Nashville Predators go into Ottawa on Thursday. They get it done with a 3-2 victory. Now, they played the Sens just a few days back, last week, I guess, and they won 4-1, to but Nashville wasn't necessarily thrilled with their effort. They liked more of what they saw on Thursday in Ottawa. It still wasn't perfect, but they get the job done. Three assists for Roman Yossi. He ties and then sets a franchise record with points 85, 86, and 87, passing the great Paul Correa. Matt Duchesne, Tanner Janot, and Ryan Johansson find the back of the net, including two goals in the third after being down 2-1. But uh, that that's one, you know, you, you look at a game like Minnesota, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but such a great game against the Wild, and you want to keep that going. We asked Ryan Johansson after the game on Tuesday, how do you keep it going in Ottawa? And he said, we've just got to find a way to stick to it. You, you get up for the games maybe that mean a little bit more, but they're all very important at this time of the year. And the Predators, they did that, and they found a way to beat Ottawa, including two very important goals there in that third period. Yeah, you play a cross-conference opponent for the first time in over two years, and then you play them <laughs> twice in a four-game span. And the Sens gave the Preds a tough time both games, but the Preds found a way to win both. And Michael McCarron led the way last Tuesday he didn't play last night, so it's Roman Yossi, a guy who you would expect to step up with his second straight three-point game and initially a goal to give him the record. The goal was taken away, given to Tanner Janot on a tip-in, so it's a three-assist night for Roman Yossi. He was very impactful on all three goals as usual, and we knew the record was coming at some point, but it's great to see him do it so early in the season, too, so he can... Continue the push to 100 points. I was going to say, there's plenty of time left. And he went two games without a point. How dare he? What was up with that? And then he, he said enough of that. So, yeah, he, he's back on track, Roman Yossi is. And that's that's just what he does. I, I think we're those of us that get paid to talk about this sort of thing, I think we're running out of adjectives, superlatives. There's only so much that you can say, but because he, he does it night after night after night. And a couple of weeks back, Ryan Johansson called him Roman franchise record breaker Yossi. <laughs> And that was very apropos on Thursday as well. Here is Johansson on Roman franchise record breaker Yossi once more. I'm laughing because he just walked in and heard that. Um, it's one of those things where we're so in the moment each and every day right now, taking it day by day as a team that uh, you're not really focused on it. So I, I think after the season, when for him too, when we're able to sit back and relax, it's, it's going to be amazing to look back at, but as a teammate right now, I just see him doing his thing so consistently, uh, just dominating the puck, dominating the ice, making, making big, big time plays every game. Um, 
it's really it's a it's really a pleasure to be a part of and watch. It's uh, and the best part of it all is uh, him as a human being and how great of a person he is and, and a leader for our group and um, just makes it that more special to be a part of. You heard Ryan kind of take a second there to think, what else can I say, right? Like we've <laughs> talked about it so much. Everybody's been asked about it so much, but you've got to keep talking about it because what Roman Yossi is doing is truly special. Again, certainly in this market, we believe that he for sure is the front runner for the Norris Trophy. A lot of people too now are starting to say that he should be in the heart conversation for NHL MVP. It's I think we could all probably agree that the Norris at this point is a race between Yossi and Colorado's Kale McCarr. And then the Hart Trophy is an, inter- an interesting one to me because a lot of people, I, I think, just automatically assume that it's just the overall MVP of the league, right? Like the best player, like, all right, you get 120 points, like done, Hart Trophy, easy. The definition of the Hart Trophy is the player most valuable to his team. And I don't know that there's anybody that would disagree that Roman Yossi is this team's most valuable player. As Roman Yossi goes, the Predators go. Yeah, and I loved what Ryan Johansson said. He dominates the ice. He's in all three zones. He's the Preds' most important player in all three zones. And I don't think there's anyone else in the NHL who you can say that about. You can't say it about Makar. You can't say it about any of the forwards who are in the running for the Hart Trophy. Roman Yossi is the Preds' most important player in the defensive zone, the neutral zone, and the offensive zone. And and I love the way that Ryan Johansson put it. He dominates the ice. And I'll say it every time I'm on this podcast. I'll say it every pregame and postgame show I'm on with Darren. There are no cheap points for Roman Yossi. He has 87 points, and none of them are cheap points. Some of them are secondary assists. Like that first point last night, a secondary assist. Mm-hmm. But that goal, the two-on-one, Granlin to Duchesne for the first goal, the secondary assist is what makes that goal. First touch on the puck, exits the D zone, pass all the way up the left wall through the neutral zone, allows the entry into the offensive zone with an odd man rush. That's as important of a secondary assist as you will see in the NHL, and it was Yossi getting his team out of a tough spot defensively, through the neutral zone with ease, and then into a prime scoring chance. And isn't this the epitome of a humble hockey player? Because Roman said on Thursday night, I've got a lot of free points this year. Right! Like, no, you, no, you, you don't earn every point, yes, Roman. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I'm glad you thought that Brooks. Cause I thought the exact same thing yeah. when he said that, but that like, what else do you expect from a guy like Roman? And I'm glad that he is able to appreciate though, because this is just week after week that he's in the same conversation with names like Bobby Orr, Paul Coffey, Nicholas Lidstrom, the all time great defenseman. Unbelievable. Roman is in that conversation week after week, night after night. And, uh, again, just. What, what more can you say? But we'll continue to try to find things to say about him. We'll, we'll touch on him a little bit more coming up a little bit later in the show. But then speaking of Ryan Johansson, the week began with a 6-2 win over Minnesota. And one member of the Preds collected their first career hat trick. Comes back for Yossi at the right point. On the right wing, flip back. Yossi just does keep it in. Quick shot toward the goal. Give it over for the score. From the left circle, and the Predators have taken a 2-1 lead. They are 2 of 2 on the power play tonight. Face-off win, back to Yossi. He walks the blue line, gives it to Duchesne. Snap back at Yossi, straight away. He's at the score! That may have been tipped, but Roman Yossi launched a rocket from the blue line, and the Predators are 3 out of 3 on the power play here tonight. Right in front it came. 11 seconds remain. Predators get it out. Here's the feed for Johansson. He has the hat trick. And the Predators have a 6-2 advantage. How about that? Ryan Johansson, over 800 NHL games, his first career hat trick. But he's a generous guy. He's a pass-first kind of guy. So part of me, I, our former colleague, Thomas Willis, I texted him. I said, that's his first career hat trick. He said, first? <laughs> and part of me was like, first? But then part of me is like, well, I mean... He doesn't really shoot a whole heck of a lot. So he's had plenty of two-goal games, Ryan Johansson has, but uh, great for him, especially in such a big game like Minnesota, right? And there was so much talk about that. Coming off of that loss in Buffalo, a 4-3 loss all the way last Friday night, um, and and you had three days off, which the Predators, that happened in February, they kind of got out of their rhythm. They would like to be playing every other day, but they came home, they used the three days wisely, and boy, was that fun against Minnesota. And I'm old school too, so like, Four fights 
including three in the first 11 minutes, two from Mark Borowiecki. Welcome back. How about you have a couple scraps? And uh, that was a fun one. That was a fun one, especially for a Tuesday night at Bridgestone Arena. had a little bit of a playoff feel to it. Actually, honestly, more than a little bit. It really did feel like a playoff game. Yeah, and that's a possible first-round playoff opponent in the Minnesota Wild, too. So cool to see the Preds beat the Wild for a third time in three tries. They'll have one more crack at them at home over these next couple of weeks for the fourth and final regular season game. But, yeah, I'm down for that to be a playoff series Mm -hmm. with the way that game went. Very physical. The Wild tried to match the Preds physically, and I think it really helped the Preds get to their game. And we heard it from John Hines after the game. When the other team comes at the Preds like that, even if they can't hit them a little bit and land a punch or two in a fight, it wakes the Preds up and engages them more than it hurts them. And I think he's 100% right. It gets them going, and and they talked so much about embracing the challenge and raising their game when the stakes are that high. And they did that. Roman said that those fights really get everyone going. He said the same thing on Thursday night in Ottawa. Luke Cunningham and Jeremy Lozon both have a scrap in the first period in Ottawa. It gets this team going. That's the kind of thing that they love to see. It's it's hard to hard to not get fired up when you've got someone out there going to battle for the entire team. And Matthew Shane spoke of the Preds playing that physical style and what it does to this group. We thrive on you know com- like hard, fast, competitive hockey. We just thrive on it and. Meaningful hockey, I think, and um, you know we're a team that. I remember earlier in the year, we some of the top teams were beating us a little bit, and we you know we addressed it and talked about it. And I think since then, it's just been it's, it's been the ability just to get our game up to the top level, and you know that's that's us in a nutshell tonight. And we still had some breakdowns, and mistakes that we'll we'll do better, but um, you know Juice is always there to bail us out when we do make those mistakes, and um, you know we did a lot of really good things tonight, and um, our team toughness and intensity is incredible. We say it all the time, and not to sound like a broken record, but the Predators are the epitome of embracing an identity that gives them the best chance to win. John Hines was asked about it the other day again, and you know it, it really started in the second half of last season when the Predators made that push. They ended up making the playoffs after a really tough start to the season, and it's just continued to carry over uh, into this year. And that is, there's so much that goes into that. I, I think a lot of it is, you know, you talk about the physical toughness, the mental toughness. Um, but at this time of the year, and the Predators had gotten away from that a little bit. They had a couple weeks where maybe a little bit inconsistent, some wins, some losses. Um, these last two have been much better in that department, and a huge weekend coming up at Florida, or rather here against Florida on Saturday, and then at Pittsburgh on Sunday, and then a four-game homestand uh, over the next week, and, and a couple more back-to-backs the following weekend, and then the weekend after that. These next three weekends, they're all back-to-back, so it's not going to get any easier 12 games to go for the Preds, including back-to-back sets on each of those final three weekends. Nine of those 12 games are against teams currently in playoff contention. You want to talk about embracing the challenge? Here you go. Yeah, and two big games against East teams to start it off, and then from then on out, it's teams the Preds are really familiar with. It's all West teams with mostly likely playoff teams in there from the West side and a Tampa team that it still feels like we've seen so much Mm -hmm. because of the divisions last year and then the magnitude of the outdoor game and things like that. So some really big games for the Preds. And if they can do all the things that they did this week, play from behind when they need to, get scoring and production from the power play and have Roman Yossi drive their play in all three zones and UC Soros just continue to do his thing when he's in there. I think they'll be able to win the games they need to down this stretch for sure. We talked about it at the start of this week with 14 games at that time to go. And the sentiment was, hey, we know we're not going to win all 14, but maybe they are. They're two for two so far. <laughs> so they're on the pay- the right pace. But no, they, you know, you know that you're probably going to lose a couple down the stretch. But as long as you continue to feel good about the way that you're playing more often than not, you'll find success more often than not. And that's the way the Preds have to approach this. These, again, these these games are tough, right? It's April 8th as we record this. The season ends April 29th, and you've got 12 games between April 9th and April 29th, 12 games, it's a lot of hockey against a lot of really good teams. But if there was ever a way to go into the playoffs, which the Predators are certainly on the road to do, why not test yourself? Why not play against some of the best teams in the entire NHL? Nothing to get you feeling good or at least give you those challenges and make sure that you are at the level that you need to be headed toward the postseason, and that's exactly what the Predators have here. And one of the gentlemen in charge of making sure the Preds are on track He's a leader on this team. He shows it on the ice and off the ice. 
Predators defenseman Mark Borowiecki will join us next. This is the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Brooks Bratton back here with you on episode 168. And we're very excited now to be joined by this week's guest. It's his second career appearance on the Predators official podcast. Preds defenseman Mark Borowiecki on the line. Borel, thanks for doing this. Welcome back to the POP. I appreciate you having me on, Brooks. Thank you. Anytime. And before we get to anything else, I've got a really pressing question because you've been back home in Ottawa over the last couple of days. We were originally supposed to be there back in November. The game was postponed, but you had said at the time in Toronto you were looking forward to going home and having, I think it was a lasagna at your parents' house. So the hard hitter right away. Did you have that meal? What was for dinner on Wednesday night? I, I, I actually ended up putting in a different request. There's this meatloaf my mom used to make for me as a kid and it uh, makes me very nostalgic and sentimental so that was uh, the request I put in and she happily obliged so um, it was actually a great time it was just nice to catch up and be at home Awesome. All right. So the meatloaf did the trick. It got two points uh, on Thursday night. But uh, the first time you'd played in Ottawa with another NHL team, it's not only your former team, but it's your home. Uh, certainly they had a great tribute for you there and, and some great shots of you being able to wave to the crowd. What was it like to finally be back? What was that night like for you overall? Uh, you know, there was there was a lot going on for me. Um, you know, I was very excited. I loved it, and I enjoyed every, every minute of it. But I also found it uh, very difficult, uh, much more difficult than I than I had anticipated. Um, you know, like I, I didn't just play in that organization for ten years. I, I grew up five minutes from that rink. You know, that's my neighborhood. That's a lot of memories for not just me, but for my wife Tara, who also grew up in that area. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a very emotional day. Uh, I felt a little tired in the first period. I just think <laughs> from everything uh, that had gone on over the course of the day, catching up with people, you know, it was one of those ones I was kind of happy to to get out of the way. And there were some times in the first day where I was giving my legs a smack, trying to get them to wake up. So uh managed to get through it uh, without too many tears or too much <laughs> emotion. So, uh, but no, I mean, a special night all around for sure. Who uh, who were you able to see? I know you, you posted a picture on Instagram with some buddies after the fact, yeah. but uh, what, I mean, how how much of that played into it? How nice was that to catch up and maybe see some folks for a few minutes? Yeah, that was special too. Uh, so yeah, a, a pretty consistent big group of friends. We've been together since, uh, I mean, uh, up in Canada we said grade 11, so I think for you guys that would be uh, like your junior year. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yep. Um, we kind of became pretty tight then, and, and we've been friends ever since. You know, we're all in our 30s now, starting families, having kids. Uh, so it's pretty cool to keep those those relationships, and I definitely cherish them. So I think there was eight of them who came to that game last night, so that was pretty special. You know, guys uh, who it doesn't matter how long I don't talk to them, uh, it just seems like you can kind of pick up the phone or see them face-to-face, and you pick up sort of right, 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 right where you left off. So that was uh, really nice, and I really appreciated that. And then, uh, yeah, I got to catch up with my parents again at the game and uh, an aunt and uncle as well. Awesome. Well, and, and you had mentioned it during your, your media availability on Thursday morning. You've talked about it earlier as well, but you signed a one-year deal uh, this season to keep you here next season, too, in Nashville. And you've said that you don't want to play anywhere other than Nashville at this point in your career. Why, why is that? Why are you so comfortable here? Um, I think there's a few reasons, you know. I think from the off-ice side of things, um, you know, my family's just very comfortable here. Uh, Nashville's a great home. The community's made us feel very welcome. Uh, there's a lot of really kind people here who have really used our transition. Um, you know, our son Miles has a great little school he loves. He's making friends. Uh, some great parents there, you know. Um, Tara and I just really enjoy the amenities of the, of the, of the city, the people here. And then, uh, I think from an on-ice perspective, you know, anytime, I've touched on this a couple of times that you're kind of a role player who plays the way that I do and, and does the job that I do. When you can find an organization, you know, management, coaching staff, teammates, kind of everyone top to bottom who appreciates what you do and, and respects what you do, uh, you know, there, there's no sense in going to look for, for anything else because, you know, sometimes guys like me aren't 
value the way they are here. So uh, it really means a lot to me. And, uh, I'm very grateful for that respect and uh, that value placed on, on my role. Boral, tell us about your team and, and why you all seem to have so much fun playing with each other. We've heard numerous players and coaches say it this year that this is also one of the tightest groups that they've yeah. ever been a part of. Do you agree with that? And why is that? Yeah, I, I, I'm. you know, like every hockey player likes to get on an interview and say that, right? Oh, my boys are so tight. It's a great group. But like I'm telling you, man, Brooks, this is like a, a, just a, just an awesome, awesome group of guys, you know, just teammates who, you know, I say stick up for each other. I don't just mean on the ice fighting and hitting and stuff like that, but just, you know, always have each other's backs when you're going through a tough time personally. Like, you know, just one little anecdote even from last night, like after the game, Ryan Johansson pulled me aside like, I was pretty emotional after the game, and just, he talked to me for a couple minutes, and just the things he said, like, you know, he had me in tears again. He's just, like, guys like that who are just really special and, and really just get that, you know, this game is, is more than just the on-ice stuff. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's our lives and our identities right now, and I think when, 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 when you have a group that's tight-knit like that, there's no clicks. Um, you know, it can kind of be an X factor down, down, down the stretch for you because you want to play hard for each other. What has impressed you most about your team this season? And I mean, there's so many guys that are having individual career years. Roman is obviously off the charts, but are there one or two things that stick out to you as to why you've been able to have so much success as a team this season? Yeah, I, I think there's a few things. Uh, you know, one thing I'll say about that is all these guys setting all these records. And, you know, we all make sure to recognize it and stuff. But but these guys, you know, Roman, Dutchie, Phil, like they don't ask for the limelight or the spotlight, you know. We give it to them because they, 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 they deserve it, but they're always putting the team, the team identity ahead of their own accomplishments. And, and I think that's pretty cool to see and pretty special. And then, you know, I know we use that I word a lot and you guys are probably sick of it, but we definitely have that team identity, uh, you know, kind of that collective team toughness. And again, it's not just fighting. It's guys selling out the block shots. Um, you know, be hard on the forecheck, be physical, um, play, play for each other in that physical style. And I think it gives us a competitive edge. Um, obviously, there's times we've got to rein it in a little bit uh, when we cross that line. But I think when we kind of play right on that line, um, it really works in our favor. Preds defenseman Mark Borowiecki is our guest on the Preds official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And Bora, I wanted to, to touch on this. We know you're an ally to the LGBTQ plus community and, and Pride Night is coming up at Bridgestone Arena on Tuesday. Uh, you, you penned a great piece over the summer on, on Preds.com as to why this is so important to you. But why do you continue to show your support to this community and, and just something, again, that's very important to you? Yeah, I, I'm... I'm very excited for that night at Bridgestone, and um, obviously things have been a little bit trickier in terms of community involvement and stuff like that, given the state of the world the past couple of years, so Terry and I are certainly looking forward to the opportunity to be a little more involved now face-to-face, and, um, you know, I just think my perspective on life really changed when I found Tara, my wife, um, you know, she's someone who completed me, and, um, you know, being in a loving relationship was so fulfilling, and... I don't know. I think as I get older too, maybe I, you know, I get a little more reflective and introspective. And I touched on that yesterday a couple of times and I couldn't help but sit back and think like, why would you want to deny anyone this opportunity to be in a fulfilling, loving relationship based on sexual orientation? You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, everyone deserves that opportunity. Um, those are the values that Tara and I hold and the values that we're going to press upon our children. And, um, we're certainly proud to, to try to be, uh, allies in some, uh, small capacity. And, of course, Predators prospect Luke Prokop came out over the summer as well, the first actively gay player to be signed by an NHL team. What did you think when you heard that announcement, and, and what do you think about Luke's courage? Yeah, I, you know, I think you touched on it best right there. It's just courageous. I mean, for a guy, you know, who's not established in his career in this league as a professional yet, um, and unfortunately playing in a sport, sometimes that can be, you know, a little bit entrenched in that old school masculinity. I mean, for him to, to kind of lay himself bare and be so vulnerable and, and true, 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 true to himself is, is pretty remarkable to see. And I think it speaks to his maturity and his courage. And, uh, certainly, you know, we've got a great group of guys in this organization who are very supportive of him. And, um, you know, I think it's all of our intention, and, uh, you know, to make sure that he feels welcomed and, and, and accepted for being his true self. Well, as you said, as you get older, you get a little more uh, 
introspective you you look back on things a little bit more when when you met your wife tara and and now you've become a dad for the second time recently congratulations on that thank you uh no rushing home in the middle of warm-ups like tanner Janot. Uh, <laughs> but but i imagine you and your wife are pretty overjoyed once more yeah you know i think that's every hockey player's worst nightmare when uh, you're having a child you're on some like western swing or something you're like <laughs> oh my god come on red eye home like oh i hope this baby doesn't come. i know it's a huge source of stress for a lot of us and certainly gave me a few more gray hairs uh like kind of coincidentally i ended up kind of nursing an injury through our process uh you know in those last couple of weeks of of terry's pregnancy so um, i was able to be around which was kind of nice but uh yeah you know it's been great um, our son miles is two and uh, he's been great with his little sister lee and he's really adjusting to being a big brother and it's uh you know very fulfilling for both of us what uh what's it like i I remember pecorine last year when he became a dad for the first time he was kind of joking that there was almost kind of like a a dad's club that some of you guys would (laughs) would kind of hang out and and talk a little bit but i mean what's it like to have so many other guys on the team in the same stage of life and and not only for you as a parent but for the kids as well to hang out yeah you know i I think you said it like it's it's funny uh Sorry, you can probably hear my little man in the background. His <laughs> dad life on a day off. Um, but yes, it, it's, you know, there's younger guys in the team, guys born in 2099 and stuff like that. And I'm sure they kind of laugh at us when we're talking about all these dad problems and dad things that we got going on. But uh, it's nice to have a group of guys who are supportive of each other. You know, I think it's great for someone like Tanner, a younger guy too. You know, you've got some older guys that kind of been through it and learn how to balance that sort of work family life and those responsibilities of being a hockey player, being a dad and a husband too. And, um, you know, anytime you have a kind of a support system and resources like that, I just think it benefits all, all of us. So as you said, Lee is, is your second child. Is it any different the second time around? And, and I mean, <laughs> you, you feel like a little more like a pro at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I won't lie. The first little bit, I feel like as the husband, uh, the dad, you're a bit useless. Uh, <laughs> trying to be domestic and, uh, you know, take care of some stuff around the house. I like to cook. So that's, uh, another way for me to contribute. But, uh, you know, with Miles being two, it's nice that I can kind of take over with him a little bit, pitching that way. Uh, it's been an adjustment for me having a, being a, a, a girl dad, you know, I kind of got used to having a little boy and things are certainly different. So, um, bit a bit, bit of a learning curve for me there too, but, um, definitely a little more comfortable with the situation. <laughs> so is Miles embracing his role, and what about the dogs, too? Yeah, you know, Miles has been great. Um, I would say, like, kind of like day three, four, five, you know, he was kind of like, all right, guys, like, hey, I'm the center of attention here. Like, why are you picking me up all the time? Like, what's this thing doing? Um, but, no, I mean, he's honestly he's just been awesome. I know every parent says their kid's a, a gentle soul and a kind soul, but he really is, and, uh, he seems to kind of relish being a big brother. He's, you know, he loves cars and they'll line up his cars beside her and talk to her about his cars. And <laughs> he likes to give her kisses. You know, he's got a limited vocabulary, but he's just baby kiss. So he'll, you know, lean in there and give her a big kiss, which is nice to see. And, uh, our dogs are great too. We have a female and a male, Brody's and Ridgebacks. And our female just kind of has like really good maternal instincts and mm-hmm. she loves being around. Um, so yeah, it's been great. That's awesome. What for you? What's the best part about being a dad, and and maybe what's the funniest thing you've experienced as a dad so far? Uh, best part, I think, is days like this. You know, like I'm talking to you right now, and Miles, you can probably hear him giggling. He's in a room <laughs> on our master bed, trying to get me to knock him over and wrestle him. I don't know. It's just it's a nice way to kind of shut the brain off from hockey and and kind of get away from the stresses and anxieties of the game and your job and. Um, it's just a, a way, you know, selfishly for me to reset and, and uh, kind of feel refreshed and fulfilled going back into the rink the next day. Um, funny things, I'm trying to think. I mean, they keep you laughing every day. Like you're on your you're on your toes for sure. Um, it's just like now he's at that age where he's starting to say stuff. So like, you know, he, he won't speak in sentences, and all of a sudden he walks up to the pantry and looks at you and goes, "I need a snack." And you're just like, what? like, like where did that come from? You know, like so got to be a little more mindful about what i'm saying around the house (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome all right last one for you Uh, 12 games to go we know that we're in the push and uh, this is the kind of year the time of year that everyone says that you just love to be and you love to have this situation and and have a chance to make a push here what do you think over the last three weeks and, and what do you look for out of your club here in the last little bit i think this is the kind of hockey that we're built for as a group uh you know we kind of got that nice mix of meat and potatoes and we got some high end skill that can get the job done for us on the score sheet. So 
Um, I think when we really dig in and kind of play to our identity, I, I, you know, I really think that we're built for this sort of hockey in these kinds of situations. Um, you know, it's, I think, always nice for, for kind of role players like me too. You know, this is, we kind of like to tell ourselves as role players, you know, this is where we are able to kind of chip in and contribute even, even, even more. So I think when we've got all these guys kind of playing to our own roles and, and no one trying to be the star, but everyone just kind of pulling on that same rope, that same direction. Um, I think we're going to be able to put some good wins together here and, and hopefully finish uh, strong. Well, Boro, keep it up. Thanks for the time, as always. Congrats on the little one and the two little ones. I'll let you get back to Miles. Uh, but <laughs> Thank thanks you. so much for doing this. It's uh, always a pleasure. No, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, just want to reiterate my thanks to the fans here and the community here for the support. You know, I got a lot of support and love in Ottawa last night. But uh, certainly uh, just as much support and love in Nashville now. And it uh, means the world to Tara and I. So thank you, man. Awesome. Thanks, Boro. We appreciate it. Up next, Roman Yossi just keeps impressing. And we'll check in on the Milwaukee Admirals. This is the Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5. Thank you. Episode 168 of the Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the program. Our thanks once more to the Boro Cop, Mark Borowiecki, for joining us. Always great to chat with him. He's fueled by meatloaf. He gets the job done. Who <laughs> are you going to call? You're going to call Boro. And he fights on his first two shifts after coming back from injury on yeah, Tuesday like, night. Welcome back. Time to get her going. <laughs> so... Great to have Boro back in the lineup. Always great to have him on the show. Great to have Roman Yossi on our side as well. We talked plenty on him on the first segment, of course, but it's worth bringing it up once more, continuing to keep pace with some of the all-time greats. And Nashville's captain was named the NHL's first star of the month for March, thanks to some incredible performances once more. He had 28 points in the month of March and became just the third defenseman in NHL history to accumulate as many in a calendar month. Only Paul Coffey and Bobby Orr had ever done it before. He also had four straight games with at least three points from March 13th to 19th. That's insane. Bobby Orr is the only other defenseman in (laughs) NHL history to do that. He also had a career-best 13-game point streak from March 2nd through the 27th and became the first active defenseman to record multiple point streaks of at least 10 games in his career and his first since Nicholas Lidstrom did it twice. You keep saying, Brooks, that we're going to run out of things to say about Roman Yossi, but I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing he is the first person to do this since Nick Lidstrom, or he's the only person to do this other than Bobby Orr, yeah. or Paul Coffey, or whoever it may be with that specific stat. Those are not going to get old. Like ever. It truly is insane what we're witnessing, and I hope that we've done a decent job of conveying that. I hope everybody listening and watching is really appreciating what Roman Yossi is doing this season because we may never see anything like this again. I mean, it's never been done here. It's hardly been done ever throughout the entire 100-plus year history of the National Hockey League. Um, Some just elite, elite company for Roman Yossi. So well done to him, and uh, hopefully he can keep it up because, as we said, as Roman goes, the Preds go, and when he's clicking – Good things happen for the Nashville Predators Hockey Club. Roman Yossi, hey, he also started with the Milwaukee Admirals, former ad. And as always, there are some players down there hoping to get here in due time. And Max, you actually had an opportunity to speak with Admirals head coach in front of the show, Carl Taylor, earlier in the week. One of the best interviews in the organization, Carl Taylor. Always great to chat with him as well. But uh, good to get some insight on the Admirals and what they're doing. A very similar spot yeah. to the Predators as they make their playoff push. For real. They're in almost the exact same spot as the Preds right now. And I talked to Carl Taylor Wednesday night on Smashville Live at 6 o'clock Wednesday nights on 102.5 The Game. And they had actually, in typical AHL fashion, played their weekday matinee school kid game earlier in the day. <laughs> I wish we could do one of those. Yeah. 10 a, for those that aren't familiar, and they'll do these a number of times throughout the season, it's, it's literally like a 10 a.m. start. It's just filled with school kids, and there's usually a fight within the first five minutes. Yeah. So just, just to send the kids home with a great example. <laughs> yeah, you always leave with some great pictures from that one for sure. <laughs> 
So the ads are third in their division right now. They're kind of in the same spot as the Preds because they have a chance to be in the main part of their divisional playoffs. They also, by points percentage, could end up in a play-in series because the AHL has bigger playoffs this year since some teams didn't play last year, want to make up for lost revenue because of COVID, things like that. So they have a chance right now to go straight into a best-of-five series, which would be against Manitoba, who's the Jets' farm club, mm-hmm. or a potential best-of-three, likely against either Rockford or Texas. Those are the Blackhawks and Stars teams, but they've still got eight games left in the regular season. Their final regular season game is actually the same night as the Preds' final regular season game. So a lot to be played for. They'll go by points percentage for the playoffs as opposed to points, which the NHL has made up enough games to just go by points. Everyone will play the full season at the Preds level, not the same at the ads level. But talking with Coach Taylor about their season, they got off to a really, really slow start. Mm-hmm. And they've been amazing since then to jolt back into the position they're in. And he said that really was for a wide variety of reasons. And those reasons are all really understandable. First and foremost, the Milwaukee Admirals didn't play last season. Mm-hmm. They were the best team in the AHL in 2019 20. COVID stops the season. They don't get to play out the playoffs of that year. They had by far the most points league-wide in a league where every single team had an affiliate. So that was a big accomplishment and a really good team. They did not get to see that through. Which is a shame because they probably would have won a championship. Right, right. they would have won the Calder Cup. They really would have. And last year, the Admirals don't play. The local ownership makes the decision at the the league's guidance. We're not going to play this year. So the Preds shared their AHL team with the Hurricanes, And the Chicago Wolves. So the Milwaukee Admirals didn't exist. Carl Taylor and members of his staff are helping coach another team's team. He's basically just running the power play for them. So they come back from being the best team, then not existing last year. They're back this year for the first time in a long time. And they have 16 players who are new to the organization. Some guys who had played in the NHL have been down there. A lot of guys have gone back and forth. But it seems like they really have gotten to a place where everybody's clicking. So many of the guys we know who have played for the Preds either this year or last year are filling really important roles on that team and are definitely ready if needed for the NHL stretch runner playoffs. Exactly. And I think that that's something where you know you're going to have black aces come up at some point. And those are guys that could help you. And, And there's a lot of guys that are down there right now that have already played here this season or have played here in seasons past. And that's exactly what you want to do. And, you know, the Preds look at it as they don't just want the NHL team to make the playoffs. They want the AHL team to make the playoffs. They want players to be in that winning atmosphere. And so good on Carl Taylor and his staff for getting things turned around. And and the players that are down there too. Cody Glass has been outstanding for the Admirals all season. Rocco Grimaldi has been great. He's injured now, done for the season, unfortunately. But, um, you know, Cody Glass has done a great job. Tommy Novak. Cole Smith when he's been down there, Matthew Olivier, Matt Donovan on the back end, Jeremy Davies when he's been down there, Connor Ingram's been fantastic in net. Um, So things are looking good for the Admirals too, and that's a good sign for the Predators and their organizational depth for sure. Yeah, and Coach Taylor reflected back to last season too for Tanner Janot, who was on an all-Predators top line on the Hurricanes minor league team. Mm -hmm. Phil Tomasino was a part of that line as well with Tommy Novak and Tanner Janot. Taylor basically said that Cole Smith right now, who's played eight NHL games this year for the Preds, is on the same track that Janot was at this time last year. So that's an exciting thing to hear. And I've really liked watching Cole Smith play when he's been with the big club. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he which you go back to two seasons ago, he played on opening night and everybody was kind of like, wait, Cole (laughs) Cole Smith made the team and he's going to play on opening night. But no, he's a guy that the Predators signed as a as a free agent out of college. Uh, North Dakota and and has really come on and just one of those guys that the Preds they see something in and and think that he could potentially hit his stride at some point and be an NHL regular so uh, again has had a good run down there in Milwaukee and certainly look for him to become more of a regular in the lineup in Nashville potentially in seasons to come we we mentioned Jeremy Davies and you had a pretty good uh, story on Davies as well as he not only continues to acclimate and hopefully to become a full-time NHLer one day but you've just got to acclimate to becoming an adult, being a professional, learning how to live your day-to-day life. (laughs) Yeah, so Carl Taylor, the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, helped Jeremy Davies learn how to drive. We have now (laughs) learned 
Uh, Davies is 25 years old, but he's from Quebec. And Jeremy said that it's really, really hard to get your driver's license in Quebec. Like it's a lot hmm. of sit down class time and a big process, things like that. So he left home when he was 17, 18 to go play in the USHL and he just never had a driver's license. And by the time he becomes a pro player in Milwaukee, he still doesn't have one. And uh, his head coach, Carl Taylor, as well as some of his teammates helped him get ready for the U.S. driver's test. And we are happy to say that he passed. <laughs> I love it. Congratulations, Jeremy. Well, that would explain why every driver I've ever encountered in the province of Quebec is just such a kind, excellent, <laughs> perfect driver. That it makes complete sense. Now. No, congratulations to Jeremy. That's a big deal. I love stuff like that, too. Right. Like that's a lot. Of, a lot of times guys will come over and it's just. It's just different. We've heard Pecorini talk about that all the time. Just so much of it is, okay, yeah, you're coming to play hockey, but if you're coming from Canada or you're coming from Europe especially, it's just a totally different way of life. And not only do you have to figure out how to play on the ice, you got to figure out, all right, like how do I be an adult off the ice? How do I take care of myself? And uh, it's it's always cool to get stories like that. So way to go, Jeremy Davies. Hockey coaches wear many hats. They really do. It's Especially at the minor league level, oftentimes those guys are just like their kids. So... Who knows if Carl Taylor is anything like Jeremy Davies' dad, but <laughs> hopefully not a lot of screaming and yelling, just calm, simple instruction, and it all works out. Well, Max, thanks for that. Thanks for that update. That was great. My pleasure. And we will come back in just a moment. We've got some great Twitter questions to get to from you, the listener. That's next as we come back here on the POP right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Fourth and final segment of episode 168 of the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025, the game, Brooks Bratton and Max Herz back with you to wrap things up. And we've got to let you know, as we said, back to backs in these next three weekends, but two weeks from now, you're going to want to tune in on the radio first and then on the television side, if you're not at the game, because the Predators We'll be teaming up Pete Weber and Terry Crisp once more for a weekend, yeah. a weekend full of fun. They'll be reunited to call the game on April 16th against the Chicago Blackhawks right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And then they'll be back on the television side one final time on Easter Sunday before Crispy retires at the end of the season. So... If that isn't an Easter treat, I don't know what is. I love that we're getting a dose of each, too. Mm-hmm. A radio game yep. and a TV game with Pete and Crispy. We just need the pay-per-view version and it will be all set. <laughs> I have a feeling you might get a little bit of that on both. <laughs> I think you might. We'll uh, we'll have to play some clips there because you know there's bound to be some gems uh, that come out of that weekend. So something to look forward to there and something that we always look forward to is getting to your Twitter questions. And once again, plenty of them came in this week. Joe says, I have a question for you guys. Who do you think is the most underrated player on the Predators and why? This is a great question. Because for years, you'd go through the blue line, right? First it was Roman Yossi. Then it was Ryan Ellis. Then it was Matias Ekholm. But now, most underrated? I'll admit that when Yakov Trenin had two goals uh, in a game was against Philly a couple weeks ago, and he hit the 17-goal mark, I said... Out loud in the press box, Yakov Trenin has 17 goals. <laughs> Honestly, like I, you know, we're around it every day and I'm reading numbers every day, but I was like, I forgot that he had 17 goals. So I guess I would throw my hat in for him. Um, I would say maybe, although he still gets a lot of attention because he's a highly touted rookie, but I think Phil Tomasino has really come on, especially as of late. Um, he's having a great rookie season. And for me, I got to give a nod to my guy, Mark Borowiecki, too. I think David Poyle called him his most improved player earlier in the season. So I don't know, Joe. I'm not good at picking one thing, one person when I get asked a question like this. But I think Trennan, Tomasino, and Borowiecki certainly deserve maybe a little bit more recognition than they're getting. I think if we're going on like a local Preds within our Preds bubble level, I'll go with Colton Sissons. Maybe the player that even I am guilty of underrating at times. And 
I think we forget how much of a veteran he is at this point, too, including playoffs. He's played over 500 games for the Preds, yeah. which is wild to think about. But he's so solid. He's always held that third line center role when everybody's in there. And of course, we know he played top line center in the Stanley Cup final, but mm-hmm. he's filled so many different roles for the Preds. He's an amazing penalty killer. He's been great on faceoffs, and he's probably the least headline of that big third line this year with yep. two of the guys you mentioned and Yakov Trenin and Tanner Janot as well, who is probably underrated more league wide than he is here. But I'll say, I'll say Colton Sissons. I love his game. I'll give an honorable mention to Alex Carrier yep. as well in there. I think he's really had a, done a great job solidifying himself as an everyday NHL defenseman. So bravo, Alex. Uh, Kyle said, why do our players not get the recognition as players in bigger hockey markets, he said only two other teams have consecutively made the playoffs as long or longer than the Preds, which is true. And yet guys like Tanner Janot still listed as sixth on the Calder running last I saw. Also, Roman Yossi playing freakishly good to be in the running for the heart. There's barely any mention for John Hines, for Jack Adams, which is a good point. Um, Kyle, I would say that as far as guys like Tanner Janot being listed as sixth in the Calder running, I think that depends on where you look. Uh, you know, everybody has different rankings right now. I think that I would like to think that he's a little bit higher than that. Uh, he's got 24 goals now. And I just think that that's something that, it, it, again, it's it's tough, right? Because, like, if you're in the Eastern Conference, you're probably going to see Eastern Conference teams a little bit more. If you're out West, you're going to see Western teams a little bit more. And I think it's just a matter of you've really got to try to campaign for your guys and try to – make sure that other teams, other writers, because it is the the Professional Hockey Writers Association that votes for the Calder Trophy, you've got to let make sure people know what Tanner Janot is doing and how important he is to this team. And then the the John Hines for Jack Adams is a really good point too. I just think that the way that there were like zero expectations from the outside for this team, like nobody was picking the Predators to make the playoffs this season. And here they are on April 8th with a... 97.4% chance to make the playoffs. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And John Hines deserves a ton of credit for it. And I know there's a lot of other teams with good stories and coaches that deserve to be in the running. But yeah, John Hines really, truly deserves to at least get a look for the Jack Adams as coach of the year. Yeah, and I think on Kyle's point about the Hart Trophy, I think Roman Yossi will finish better in the Hart Trophy voting than we expect. Yeah. Or maybe than we anticipated. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I really think he's starting to get into a lot of conversation there. And if he continues to tear it up in these last 12 games, like, look out. I mean, anything can happen with that. Uh, But yeah, John Hines definitely deserves a look for the Jack Adams. And I hope that uh, those around the hockey world will do their due diligence. And and they usually do for those that vote on these awards. But uh, yeah, certainly the Predators, they've got a lot of guys in the running. And hopefully they get the recognition that they deserve. Johnny said, how many more wins do we think locks up a playoff spot? Well... As we look at our friends who run Sports Club Stats, which is a great website for these sorts of things, we were looking at it earlier today in the office, actually. So how's this? Again, 12 games to go for the Predators. The Predators could go, according to Sports Club Stats and the formula that they use to determine who's going to make the playoffs, the Predators could go 4-4-4 the rest of the way and still have a 99.7% chance to make the playoffs according to this formula. If you want to be really safe, Johnny, I would say six to seven more wins would almost certainly get you there. According to this formula, if the Predators go 6-2-4 and four or 8-4-0 and oh the rest of the way, they're totally in. And according to a lot of these calculations, five wins could do it depending on how the the losses and the OT losses are spread out. Six wins could do it. Seven wins could do it. I think the Predators, if they get 97 points or more, they're pretty darn safe. 98, 99, obviously you get into 100, then you're looking really darn good. But over these last 12 games, if you can get five to six to seven wins, that's pretty much all that you need. And it's easier said than done. But uh, the Preds, their their chances are really looking good right now. Vegas has played more games, and they're on the outside looking in. Dallas is is making their push as well. They've also played less games than Vegas. That's what's really going to hurt Vegas, I think, is they don't have much time to make up ground. And the Preds and the Stars, they've got more chances. Nashville has by far the toughest schedule 
As we said, nine of these last 12 games are against playoff teams. But you embrace the challenge, and you see what you can do with it. So, again, five wins, six wins, seven wins, uh, anything more than that, especially the Predators, are looking pretty darn good, and it's essentially a lock at that point. I love the thought of losing four overtime or shootout games down this stretch when the Preds yeah. have only lost four all year and yeah, it's not gonna happen. have played one overtime game period since the start of February. Just the Pekka game. That's right. That's wow. the only overtime game in the last now... Two plus months. Just get it done in regulation. Yeah. There you go. And finally, Mike said bre- best breakfast spot downtown ahead of morning hockey next Saturday. Yes. Very exciting. Next Saturday against the Chicago Blackhawks. Another 1130 start at Bridgestone Arena. So where do you go? You're downtown pregame. You're looking to fill your belly up. Well, one for, for one Bridgestone Arena. Come on in. Doors open at 10. I'm sure we'll have something going. I don't know what we do for breakfast. Maybe you want a grilled cheese or a hot dog for breakfast. Why not? But there is a pancake pantry now downtown. I think I know some people would say that would maybe be a little bit touristy, but there is a pancake pantry, which to me, I love chocolate chip pancakes. You can never go wrong with chocolate chip pancakes. The Southern's great. Southern has a great brunch downtown. Uh, Assembly Food Hall, of course, right across the street. Although I'm not sure really what their breakfast offerings are. There may not be a whole lot going on in there quite yet. Or Puckets. We love Puckets. And you know that you can get a good old Southern breakfast at Puckets. So there you go. Pancake Pantry, the Southern, and Puckets. I think those are the three that I would recommend if you're snooping around downtown and you got something to eat. You got anything to add to that? No, you're good. You're not a breakfast guy? I'm not a downtown guy as much <laughs> as you are. I just That's true. You're there every day, Brooks. I was going to say, if I hadn't worked down there, I probably wouldn't be much of a downtown yeah. guy either. It's kind, no, of a, this is, uh, kind of busy down there. I would be wrong to... Try and supersede any of your answers here. Well, I will be eating breakfast in the Bridgestone Arena Media Lounge. Unfortunately, that is not open to the public, <laughs> or I would invite you down, uh, Mike. But let us know if you end up choosing one of those options. But uh, we appreciate the questions. We always appreciate the input from you, the listeners. You make the show what it is. And we're glad to have you along for another episode. Episode 168 of the Preds Official Podcast coming to a close. Our thanks once more to... Mark Borowiecki for taking some time away from playing with Miles. I guess he was playing with Miles while he was doing this interview. He's multitasking. He's good at that. He knows what he's doing. Thanks to Boro for joining us on the POP. He is at Max Hers Talks on the Twitter. All things Vanderbilt, all things Preds, all things ESPN 1025. The game has got you covered. I'm Brooks. You know me. Hashtag Preds Podcast. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the hockey. See ya.